looking at here on the Old Path study. I don't know that I would call this part of our Old Path study, but I think it could be uh, along those same lines. And as I studied this chapter, I was about to be done with this and, and move on to a different study together. And the Lord would not let me move past chapter 5, I do not believe. And so we'll get into it together here. Let's pick it up in Jeremiah chapter number 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. And though they say, The Lord liveth, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this evening and guide and direct my thoughts and my speech as I get into the Bible study here tonight. I pray that you'd help your people as only you can and help me as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I suppose if you wanted to continue to consider this part of God's grievances against Israel as part of our old paths study concerning the paths that they departed from, you certainly could, but I'm not sure that everything that we're going to get into tonight will uh, entirely be within that context. But I do want to say that generally speaking, what you will see here is that in these first few verses, we see that they had left the path of true judgment and truth, and as a result, they had begun to tell themselves their own lies. Now, we've covered some of that, so I don't mean to continue to cover the same thing over and over again. But in this chapter, you're going to find that there are, from what I can tell anyway, four what I would call unseen graces that I believe that they became blind to. And we as Christians can be blind to what grace really comes from and why God will show it. Now, grace means favor, and it means favor unmerited, something that we did not earn. God giving us favor when we did not earn His favor. Often we apply the word grace as in saving grace, and that is true. When we uh, fall upon our knees or when we uh, give our heart to Jesus Christ and repent of our sin and call upon Jesus to save us, then of course He by grace saves us and through our faith of course extends that to us. That's saving grace. We understand that God saves us based on His own merit, based on His own sacrifice, based on His own love when we repent of our sins and call upon Him as our Savior. But notice that in order for us to receive His grace, there is a step that you have to take. You have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so by faith we access His grace, not necessarily by a work, but by our faith. Is everybody okay? 
And I believe that there is a way to access God's grace as you live in this life, as we might call it different graces or living graces that God extends to His people. And I believe that the children of Israel had fallen away from what I will call the unseen grace of harder things. And I want to speak to you about that this evening. The unseen grace of harder things. What we often see in the harder things of the Bible, the the commandments and the rules and what some might call the regulations, the boundaries, the borders of the Word of God, uh, or some of the harder things to receive. Sometimes when God convicts our heart about something, it's hard for us to get over our own selves or to give that thing to God. It is a hard thing that God asks of us to do. Sometimes when God asks you to commit your life to something, surrender your life to the mission field or to preach or whatever the case may be, it is a hard thing to do. But by doing so, by taking that step in faith and obedience, then He will apply extra favor and extra grace and show you a little bit extra of what you could not have received unless you had done a harder thing to your flesh. Is everybody still with me? And so often, I think we miss some of the graces that God has for us because we don't want to move ourselves through and push through some of the harder things that God requests of us. So, we're going to look at this evening, and that might be the title of it. I say it might be the title of it. It is the title of it, although I struggle sometimes to give titles. I don't envy the guys when they try to come up with titles for our services, for our, uh, for our podcast, or whatever it is. Um, I don't always give titles, so that is, not, that is my fault, not theirs. But uh, the unseen grace of harder things. What we often see in the harder things are judgment, chastisement, and rules. And this chapter expresses the protection and the help provided to God's people if they had just done some things that they considered harder things. Now, I want you to notice again in the first verse of chapter 5. I have four of these that we're going to look at, and they are scattered throughout the passage. We will not be studying the entire passage We will be skipping through to see these different things. First of all, I want you to see the first verse of chapter 5 again. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if ye can find a man. If there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will what? And when God pardons, that's mercy and it's grace. We don't deserve to be pardoned. That is His mercy. But in order for us to be pardoned, we have to come unto Him. Now, as a Christian, we understand it's been quoted thousands of times by every preacher under the sun, 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess, and there is an if at the beginning of that verse, if we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness, right? So we have to do something in order to access that pardon. But I want you to notice what they were missing and the pardon that they were missing because of it. The Bible says a man that they were supposed to look for any man and see if there was any man amongst them that executeth judgment and that seeketh the truth. 
we don't always like men to impart justice against our wrongdoing. And that was one of the things that Israel was struggling with. They got tired of the judges. And it got to the point where when God would judge them and send somebody to bring justice upon them for their wrongdoing and for their sin, that it got to a point where God said, your entire body is nothing but putrefying sores. You're not listening to me. The judgment isn't doing any good because you never repent. You never change. And so what came upon them, because there was nobody within their nation that was executing justice anymore, that was, that was taking what was right and judging over it, because there was nobody in Israel anymore that was willing to impart justice against wrongdoing, they had missed out on the pardon that God would have given them. Now, stay with me. Israel had stopped executing judgment for the sins that were poured out all over their land. And there was no longer any kind of penalty for their wrongdoing. And here is where we come across man starting to redefine what grace means and what grace looks like. We want grace without judgment and punishment, and that essentially ends up being an entire world filled with people that want to define what grace means so that they can themselves live in whatever sin they want to live in and never get judged for it. Well, grace means that I can be whatever I want to be and I can do whatever I want to do and I'll never be judged for it. That is the world's definition of grace. And Israel kept redefining grace as if to say, well, we haven't been judged yet and there's going to be peace in Israel because the Scriptures prophesy peace. Yeah, if you repent. But they redefined grace. And they redefined peace. And they redefined what it meant to access those things. Now listen, you can justify your sin all day long if you're living in the world and living in sin and say that God will show me grace and you should too, church and Baptists and Christians, and I bet you've heard it at work from people who say, well, that's, that's not what God is. God is love and God is grace. And so that means that I can do whatever I want. And if I want to abort my baby and if I want to be gay and if I want to be a drunk and if I want to do whatever I want to do, that God is grace and God is love and He will never impart any penalty unto me. That's the lie that the world has begun to believe. And unfortunately, it's the lie that some of our churches in America have started to preach. They've redefined what it means to access the grace of God. And it's one of the reasons why America is going so fast into hell. And so, God said that He would pardon them if anybody could be found that executeth, what is it? Judgment. Do you see that? Maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but we keep having these crazy mass shootings. And a guy like that, that is going to go probably to prison for the rest of his life and never be executed, 
Is it real judgment? Not according to what the Bible says. And one of the reasons why we continue to have more and more problems with sin is because there's no real judgment left in the world where anybody says, this is how we can find mercy from God if we will call sin, sin, and judge it for what it is. He said, look and see if you can find a man that executeth, that executeth judgment. Listen, we don't like our parents to execute judgment. We don't like the church to execute judgment in the rare cases that there has to be uh, some type of church discipline. We don't like the, the policeman to execute any form of judgment. We don't like the governor to execute any form of judgment. In our flesh, we cannot stand judgment. But I'm here to tell you that if America and if our cities and if our homes want, want to continue to receive the grace and pardon of the Lord, he needs to be able to look down and see that somebody is willing to call sin, sin, and wrong, wrong, and execute judgment accordingly. It doesn't mean that you need to be hard and harsh. It just means that there are some things we should not be turning a blind eye to. There are some things that we should not be sweeping under the rug. I don't think a preacher that messes with a child ought to be standing in the pulpit and probably shouldn't be walking around through society. But we've got churches that are sweeping that stuff under the rug and letting these guys back in their pulpits. we got a man that was just let out of jail not too long ago that was proven to have been taking young ladies across state line that was pastoring what we would call an independent Baptist megachurch and there are already preachers, preachers calling each other trying to decide if they ought to let him back in their pulpits. No! You want grace and mercy upon your church and you want God to pardon you? I don't think you ought to have a guy like that in your pulpit. I think if he sees you enabling a wicked preacher in the pulpit that he's probably not going to show a lot of grace and pardon to the church. You see, they had no longer had access to the grace because they didn't want to do some of the harder things. And they became totally blind to what real judgment and justice and equity and righteousness was. But not only executing judgment, he spoke there also of seeking the truth. Now this is interesting. When you read that passage, look at it again there in, in chapter 5 and verse number 1. If there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth. What does that say to you? And that's a trick question. Because what it says to me is somebody that is seeking for the truths of the Word of God. Right? And that's what I assumed. And often my assumptions can get me in trouble. Well, I went and studied it out. It doesn't mean that. It means a man who is firm, steadfast in moral fidelity and faithfulness to the Lord. In other words, see if you can find a man who is seeking the paths of truth and living in them. Are you with me? Now, if we want to have continued grace and pardon upon our lives, it helps a lot if you're living for the Lord. <laughs> if you're being steadfast and firm in your faith. God has a tendency, it seems in the Scriptures, to be a lot more gracious to a person who is trying to do their best to live for Him but falters and falls in sin every now and then, than a person 
who is particularly and specifically ignoring his warnings and living in sin and constantly repenting of it. Now, God is merciful beyond what we would be. And I'm glad that He is. But if you want God to pardon you, He needs to see you walking steadfastly in the faith. And I don't mean He won't pardon you if you confess your sins. We've already covered that. He clearly will. But you know, there is something to be said about the Christian's life. When you are living so much for the Lord in His will, that when you falter, and when you sin, you find mercy more than judgment because He knows your heart. He knows your heart. He said, look and see if there is anybody that executeth judgment and that what? Seeketh the truth. Or in other words, is steadfast in the truth. And you know what's sad? There wasn't anybody there. And one of the commentaries that I read on this put it this way. By making this statement, God has now justified Himself in the eyes of Israel for His judgment against them because He knew that there would be nobody found. And they would have to acknowledge there's nobody among them who executes true judgment and who seeks real truth by living in it constantly. God needs to look down upon our lives and see that we know that in order to access His grace and mercy, we are going to have to do our best to live for Him and stay steadfast in the faith. Next, look at verse number 5 if you would please. Jeremiah says, I will get me unto the great men and will speak unto them. For they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of their God. But these have altogether what? Broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Wherefore, a lion out of the forest shall what? And a wolf of the evening shall what? A leopard shall watch over their cities. Everyone that goeth out thence shall be what? torn in pieces because their transgressions are many and their backslidings are increased. Do you see that? They lost the grace and favor of God's protection. And why? Look at it again in verse number 5. But these, at the end of verse number 5, the Bible says, but these have altogether broken the yoke and what? Burst the bonds. The yoke is a representation of your labor with and for the Lord. The bonds are what keep you in the yoke. What God is saying here is that they are as an oxen or as an animal who has broken free of that which is keeping it safe while it walks alongside of the Lord and serves him faithfully and by supposedly 
breaking into life freedom where you're not so restricted by all of these things that God requires of us, we're going to be finally free. But he says what is happening is just like an oxen breaks free of its yoke and breaks the bonds that's keeping it there, it will go out on its own and find itself eaten by a wild beast of some sort. What are the types of animals that he lists? He ists, he, he, he ists yes. He lists the lion, the wolf, and the leopard. And when I find those in the scriptures, I find three references that come to mind first and foremost. The devil is a roaring lion. And the Bible also speaks in the book of Proverbs of a lion in the streets that the fool will walk into and be devoured. It's not a positive thing. The wolf in sheep's clothing that, is, that we are warned about in the church. And the leopard is one of the descriptions for the Antichrist. Either way, we know that it's not good to break free of your bonds. You expose yourself to the devil. You expose yourself to the wolf in sheep's clothing. You expose yourself to the Antichrist movement. When you say, man, I just need to be free of all these rules and all of these restrictions, here's what you expose yourself to. The world, the flesh, the devil, and everything pertaining thereto. And even though we don't always like following rules, and because we don't have to follow the rules in order to access the grace for salvation, you can be saved and then live a life of sin. But as I said on Sunday, and you've heard over and over and over again many times before, that in order for you as a Christian to have God's mercy and God's grace and God's blessing, you need to walk in His commandments. The yoke and bonds of the Scriptures of the Christian life are a protection against the attacks of this sinful world. You may sometimes want freedom from the biblical boundaries and bonds that keep you from supposedly uh, uh, experiencing the life that you want to experience. But what they're actually doing is preventing you from being devoured. They may not on the surface seem like gracious things, but they lead to unseen protection, favor, and grace from the Lord. You stay within the boundaries of this book, and you stay within the hedge of protection of the Lord. And even though the children of Israel didn't want to have to live by His rules anymore, and they thought they were finally and truly free, what He was warning them in this chapter, as He had in others, is that He was about to allow an enemy from the north to destroy them. Listen, when you walk out of that hedge of protection because you're no longer obeying and being obedient to God, you miss one of the unseen graces and unseen protections and unseen favors of the Lord. Now, turn with me, if you would please, to verse number 30. Whoa! From verse number 5 to verse number 30. How do you like them apples? The Bible says, a wonderful and a horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? What are you going to do when you have followed the false instruction of these false preachers? 
What are you going to do? When wisdom cried in the streets and you forsook her as a fool. And in Proverbs chapter 1, the Bible tells us that when you did not heed her warning, that God will laugh at you as you fall into your own foolish sin. Now here's the third point. One of the unseen graces of harder things in this life is when we listen to the preachers of truth, not the preachers of soft and false words. The prophets in this time were false preachers. I've repeated it over and over and over again, but they kept telling the people, peace, peace, when there would be no peace because Israel was not repenting of their sin. And they had convinced themselves that everything was going to be okay. Look at it, if you would please, in in verse number 12 of chapter 5. Verse number 12. The Bible says, They have belied the Lord and said, It is not He, neither shall evil come upon us, neither shall we see sword nor famine. And the prophets shall become wind, and the word is not what? Thus shall it be done unto them. What does he mean, thus shall it be done unto them? This thing that they said would not be done unto them. They said, neither shall evil come upon us, neither shall we see sword nor famine. And he says, because you've been listening to these false preachers, thus it shall be done unto you. Now, we have, okay, hold on, before I get to that point, I guess I need to finish the verse. So they have false prophets that are teaching false things and not teaching the scriptures. And there were priests that were bearing rule by their means. And as I, had, as I read that, I had to study it out. What in the world does that mean? And the priests bear rule by their means. Here's what is being said. The prophets are being false preachers, and the priests are the men that are bearing false rule by the words that the false preachers are saying. Okay, so in other words, these false prophets are saying things that are not biblically true and not what God would have them to say, and then the priests are coming along and they are ruling and governing by those false teachings over the people. Are you with me? So they are governing, governing by the means that is being preached in the pulpits of these false preachers. And something came to mind. We have presidents and government officials making laws and ruling by the truths that they have learned from bad preachers who don't preach the truth. Even today. They've learned from preachers that preach an agenda, not biblical truth, or who have twisted the scriptures to mean whatever they want them to mean. And we have supposedly spiritual leaders that are following after these wicked things. We have a president who is following after the false teaching of a Catholic pope. We had a president before him that came, well, no, let's see, uh, uh, two presidents before him, and Mr. Obama that had the Reverend Wright behind him who was preaching this false gospel. We see the same things happening today. And in order for God's people to access the grace that He had for them, they had to be willing to hear the one preacher that was preaching the truth. And they refused to listen. Because the truth is often a hard thing. We don't always like it. 
when a preacher of truth stands up and says what is true. And often what we like to do, as the Bible says is happening in these last days, is to heap to ourselves teachers having itching ears because we don't want to endure sound doctrine. We don't want to hear what the Bible says about our sin. We don't want to hear about what the Bible says about our family and raising a good family. We don't want to hear what the, what the Bible says about our finances. We don't want to hear what the Bible says about righteousness and about doctrine and about proper church leadership. We don't want to hear the harder things of the Word of God. And as a result, what ends up happening is Christians go after whatever they want to hear and you miss out on the grace that you could have if you would simply repent and fall under the Word of God. But you're not going to hear it if all you're listening to is these preachers that make you feel good all the time. And you're not going to be able to repent of a sin that you don't know about. You want to find grace and mercy? You need to be right with God, but you can't be right with God if nobody's telling you what it means to be right with God. They had lost God's grace because they were listening to false preachers and then they wanted to be ruled and governed by these false laws that, that they were calling biblical laws. Does anybody else see that going on in modern Christianity today en masse? And what does it say in the end? The prophets prophesy falsely and their priests bear rule by their means or by their teachings. And my people love to have it so. Well, sure. When it's enabling your sin, you love to have it that way. But what does God say? What will you do in the end thereof? Because what is the end of sin? Sin, when it hath conceived, bringeth forth death. It always is true. We've often interpreted that passage as being... Uh, the, the death of hell. But I believe anything that sin touches, when a Christian does not repent of their sin, it kills. I believe if you don't repent of your sin, you can kill your family. I believe if you don't repent of your sin, you can kill your opportunity to keep, keep, keep hold of a job that God gave you. I, I believe that if you don't repent of your sin, you can lose your mind, you can lose your home, you can lose your ability to find the grace of God. And in the end, if you hang on to your sin, it will only end in the death of something. The death of a friendship, the death of a relationship, the death of something. Because whatever sin touches, if it's not dealt with, it kills. And that's what God is saying to the children of Israel. What will you do in the end thereof after you've listened to your false preachers and you didn't hear the truth? You're not going to find grace because you've justified your sin. Is everybody okay? We see what I believe are three unseen graces because they were harder things for the children of Israel. One, a man executing judgment and seeking truth brings grace, mercy, and pardon. And that can be a difficult thing to do to be the one who executes judgment or who stays faithful to God all of your days while the rest of the world is living in sin. Secondly, they broke the yoke and bonds of the Christian life. And when they thought they had found themselves freedom, they lost the grace and protection of the Lord. Thirdly, they had turned their ears away from the preachers of truth and had turned their ears unto the preachers of soft and false words. 
And that led them out of the path of repentance and away from where true pardon and grace would come from. Is everybody okay? Church, in order for us to have the grace and mercy of our Lord, sometimes you have to do some harder things. Some things that our flesh doesn't like to do. But I tell you what, and I want you to see this and we'll be finished. Because of this, they missed out on the kindness, even in judgment, of their Lord. Look at verse number 9. God says, Shall I not visit for these things? saith the Lord. And shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? Go ye up upon her walls and destroy, but make not a what? A full end. Look at verse number 18. Nevertheless, in those days, saith the Lord, I will not make a what? Full end with you. Look, if you would please, at verse number 23. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth what? Both the former and the latter in His season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden what? Good things from you. You see that? Because of all of this, they stopped seeing the goodness of the Lord. Because as long as you live in sin, all you're ever going to see from the Lord is judgment. And you become blind to His goodness because you never get to experience it anymore. But boy, when you live for the Lord... The rain, the early and the latter rain, the harvest and all of these good things are what you have access to. Is everybody okay? The unseen grace that comes from some of the hidden things and some of the hard things. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please help us as your people to be willing to do some of the harder things that it requires to stay right with you and to live for you. And Lord, help us to learn from the children of Israel concerning these things. Help us to be willing to stay steadfast in the truth, to execute judgment about what is right and wrong, and not to sweep certain things under the rug. And Lord, I pray that You would help us to always be willing to hear the truth of the Word of God and not try to find the easier and softer things to hear. Lord, help us to see that grace comes and that pardon and mercy and favor comes when we're willing to do some of the harder things. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed,